You're listening to Boston Strongcast, a podcast about strength training. This podcast started in 2017 and is an audible record of my learning experiences from my time under legendary coach Boris Shako to our current constraints-led conjugate style of training. To further your education, be sure to check out Strength School. The link can be found in my Instagram bio, at KWCan, where I also post more free information, and our team at Precision Powerlifting Systems. Now enjoy the current episode. Hey guys, this is Kevin Kareth, Boston Strongcast. I'm joined by Travis Rogers. Um, so Travis is a powerlifter, owns his gym, and I'm going to let him kind of get into his details. But um, Mike and John, who were on the last episode, had a lot of good things to say about Travis. He's got kind of a cool story that I think some people find pretty motivating because um, he's kind of in the middle of it right now, still writing some chapters in it. Um, but I'm going to pass it to you, Travis, and maybe just give a little background on uh, how you got into lifting. And we'll get into the injury stuff afterwards and maybe how you got the nickname Papa Bear. All right. It sounds good, man. Uh, for those people who are just tuning in and don't know who I am, um, my name is Travis Rogers, nicknamed Papa Bear. Um, I've been competing since probably 2015, 2016, been tra- probably training since like 2013. So uh, almost almost 10 years in. Um, and I've known, uh, like you said, your last guest, Mike uh, Hedleski, I've known him for probably uh, about the time I started training. We used to actually uh, run into each other at an old CrossFit box gym that had like a little powerlifting section called Iron Strong. Um, but now Mike actually goes to the gym I own in Salisbury, Maryland, uh, probably about 10 minutes away from that place. So it's kind of funny how all those things kind of came full circle and he ended up joining my gym and of course is a wealth of knowledge. So I'm very happy to have him there. Um, I just got into equipped lifting. So Mike has got way more experience in that area than me. So he's been helping me with uh, shirts and how to get into stuff and just different things and you know, just he's a really good guy to shoot the shit with training wise and just a good guy in general. So uh, we've worked out some deals. He's moved his monolift into my gym. Uh, barely. Um, it, I think we had to move it into the roll up door area. So like the cutaway where the actual like lift goes, um, it literally misses the ceiling by the inch. We thought we were gonna have to cut ceiling tiles. So it's pretty tight, but uh, it worked out really good. Um, and of course, he does a lot of grip training, so he's got some wild gadgets in there. Of course, I've never even seen before, so it's been good, man. It's been really good. Um, so I got into powerlifting uh, when I was attending Salisbury University, and actually, uh, I'd ran into Mike probably like a year into my training, just like lifting and stuff. Um, he was working at the university fit center they called UFC. And then we had passed briefly throughout there, um, just kind of running in saying hi. Like we didn't really remember each other till later. We ran back into each other and we're like, oh shit, like I, I knew you from like a year ago. We just like really didn't know each other like were and I hadn't really been competing at that point. And I think he was coaching at the university or teaching. Um so when I got clean and sober, um, I kind of just, in a nutshell, traded everything for training. So it was like swap, literally swapping one addiction for another. I was like, dude, if I'm going to do this, like I'm all in. And that's when um, I kind of went some bouts. I went like six months and then relapsed. I went a couple months and then relapsed. Uh, I met my wife and then she was also trying to get clean. So like we kind of did that together. Um, and both kind of got into more into, I was already into lifting, but it kind of introduced her into lifting. Um, and then 
after training with a couple of the bigger guys at um, what used to be World Gym in Salisbury. Um, I had a guy named Zach Rector I was super tight with, and he was huge, colossal man. He was like 280, like 6'4", went to all-boys military school, like would just lie down and start throwing down 315 on the bench, like no warm-up. Like he's just an animal. And um, so he was huge, and, and I was tiny, man. I was all like getting clean and stuff. I lost an insane amount of weight. Like I was like 125 pounds soaking wet. And he was like, you know, you're, you're a third of my size. So the deal is whatever I do, you have to do, you just have to do a third of it. So I was like, all right, that's fair enough. So that was, that was like, everyone's like, did you start with like, you know, Wendler or five, three, one, or like the cube method? I'm like, no, dude, I followed a giant man around the gym and did a third of whatever he did. And that's how I got strong. And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's a real thing. Um, and then I got bigger and stronger and he was like, okay, now you're going to do half. Okay, now you're going to do three-fourths. And eventually I got up to like 160 pounds and was pretty strong for my size. And like some people started taking notice and they were like, hey, man, like, have you ever competed in powerlifting? I'm like, what's that? And then seven years later, here we are. So that's basically how I got into powerlifting. It's actually, um, you know, like back in the day, that's kind of how it was, right? You go to a gym and the most jacked guy will kind of have this like group of guys lifting weights and you just kind of followed along. You learned from him, you, you did your thing. And, um, I, I think there's something to, to that. Like there's a learning experience that happens here, like following five, three, one, anybody can read that book or steal the spreadsheet offline and just right, right. kind of run that stuff. But you're learning what, like, you know, a guy who clearly had some experience, just got stung by a fucking bee, a guy who clearly has some experience, you're following him around, you're learning from him and doing all that stuff. So I think that's really cool. Um, so, you know, if you don't want to go into this in more detail, that's cool too. But how did powerlifting help you get clean and sober? Was it like all of a sudden you just had a, a purpose and something you're, you're really just like found that kind of tickled your soul a little bit or I'm going to it's, it's weird, man, like, I mean, it's not hard for me to talk about, like, I mean, me and Jeff's have had very outline conversations about this and stuff. And, you know, like, it'll be funny because of course, like a big thing is I, and I used to do RPS meets too. So like the geared guys would be like taking shots of fireball, like in front of me and stuff like, like, I mean, and it never bothered me or anything like that, but like, dude, I'd see guys wasted by they going to take their opener. I'm like, Bro, like, how are you going to squat this in gear? Like, I, I can't even, I wouldn't even be able to stand. And they're like, oh, it's fine. And I'm like, all right. Um, so they took, like, whiskey and deadlifts, like, super seriously, where, like, I was kind of growing up into that that sport. Um, and, of course, I was still raw and fascinated by, like, equipped lifting. Um, but, like, I think really um, – and I've kind of wrote about this in a few articles for Elite FTS, and it's it's kind of sick when you think about, like – how powerlifting really attracts people who have, you know, some of those personality traits who have addictive personalities who have, you know, issues like that, just because it's such a, it's such an easy thing, I think, to become all in on, right. It's so easy to let it consume your life. Um, and that's exactly what I did. And I mean, you know, some people would say, you know, that's a great trade. And then of course, when you get to like super elite levels of competing and you're, you know, your huge injuries happen, you know, you mess up your internal organs, your blood levels are shot. Like, you know, is it, is it, a, 
know, are you really doing when you're on that far, you know, from a left of like, Oh, I'm working out to get healthy to like the super far right was extreme competing. Like, are you staying healthy? Like, is that a fair trade? Are you doing, you know, just as much damage in a different way? So, I mean, when I think about it that way, it's kind of distracting. Um, but honestly, I, th- I feel like it's very played out when I say this. So that, I mean, that's probably the only reason I don't talk about it as much is because of how dumb it sounds like coming out of your mouth. But like, you know, I, I really think powerlifting gave me like a second chance. Like it, and I, and I've talked about this with some of my injuries and stuff. And, um, I was like in and out of the hospital one year for like blood pressure and stuff for competing and stuff. Uh, and I've gotten better since then, but it was like, you know, if it gave me a chance and, you know, quote unquote, like saved me the first time, like I would, I would be okay with it taking me out the second time. I feel like that's a fair trade that I've kind of come to terms with, uh, pretty, pretty easily to be honest with you. So that's just how I feel about it. Uh, you know, I'm very much one of those guys. It's like, if, if you had this opportunity and it gave you this, then you should be willing to equally go back and, you know, make it even. There's always a balance. So this is this is this is borrowed for me and I'm quite okay with that. So it's kind of like powerlifting gave you everything and you're giving everything back. Yes. And that's I mean, I've talked a lot about that as one of the main reasons. Like I own a charity. I I run meets. I'm the USPA, Maryland and Delaware uh, state chairman. I'm a national ref. Like I try to hopefully in some capacity, like even in a, you know, a small impact with somebody like I, I sincerely hope it gives them everything that it gave to me. So when you talk about like that, that scale of health, right, where some people exercise for for health reasons, right? You talk about your high blood pressure and stuff like that. I think there's another part of that, like health piece. Like, I think like you had kind of um, mentioned, like powerlifting kind of attracts those of us that have some demons, right? And it helps us keep those demons at bay in our own little ways. So like, even though we may be doing things physically to ourselves that people look at and they may not see as necessarily healthy, it's healthier than the alternative sometimes. Like for me, you know, drugs and alcohol weren't my drug. It was anger and violence for the most part. So like sports, it's like weird outlet for me. But like I, I've, you know, torn my bicep, but I put an elbow brace on because I couldn't extend it and just kept doing, you know, my rounds and doing my training and doing all yeah. of that stuff when I was fighting. Like it was just as stupid as it sounds. I mean, I learned a lot. I had to adapt. So you kind of learn different ways around these injuries and you develop different skills because of them. So they're always a blessing in disguise at the same time. Um, but without it, like, I don't know where I would have been at that time. Like if I had to take nine months off from who knows if I could back to it and, you know, maybe I'm sitting in a jail cell instead of being here. Um, and I yeah, no, I really definitely empathize with that. Yeah, man. I totally understand what that's all about. So when people see, and I think this is like a nice segue into, uh, kind of getting into your maybe most recent injury, but when like people see that and they're like, Oh, well you're fucking stupid because you're, you know, you could really fuck yourself up and all of this stuff. But like, there's a certain drive that kind of comes when that stuff happens that it's like, Hey, I just got to be more focused. I got to be buckled down. I'm going to make good decisions, but I'm going to fucking do this because I'm committed to it. And I'm going to give, and I'm all in. 
Um, so maybe if you could kind of talk about your most recent um, injury where you, your fucking knees blew up or whatever it was. And then like the come, the come back from that. Cause they, yeah. uh, on the last episode, Mike and John were like the first day out of the hospital, you're in, you're in the gym doing shit. So like, you know, yeah. that, let's go from the injury up to that point. <laughs> yeah. Um, like I said, Mike's, Mike's seen some shit with me already, which is, which is super cool. Cause like, he's very, uh, he's very motivating and very like, I mean, he understands where I'm coming from and he, he knows what kind of person I am that like, you know, like it's, this doesn't mean shit to me. Like I'm going to keep going. And, um, so I had a double quad rupture, um, full tears off the bone. Um, my left leg was way worse than the other. They said it lit. It was like an equivalent of a grenade going off inside. There's just nothing left, dude. It looked like uh like crab meat. Like it was just gone. How'd you do um, it? Uh, squatting. So I was, uh, I was squatting on the transformer and it in wraps and it was like something I take all the time. And it wasn't like I made weird jumps. It wasn't like I was max rep attempt or max effort. It was just, it was like a freak accident, man. It was just no warning signs. We videoed my warmups. Everything was fast. Everything looked good and normal. And just like literally out of nowhere came up out of the hole, like probably was like three or four inches left one made a super loud pop. Um, I went down and then of course it shifted all the way to the other leg. And then that one went, so it was like, boom, boom, like right in the same thing. But I was on a, I was on a transformer bar with like the metal handles that curve. And so everyone was freaking out because like, even though I was in a cage with spotters, the way it had me in wraps, like they were afraid it was going to like pin my rib cage. Mm. So they were like, dude, you're going to get like basically pierced. You know what I mean? They were worried it's going to like break my ribs or, you know, collapse something. So they were like trying to hold it so I could roll out at least to one side and get around it. Um, but then I immediately went into shock. Like I was giggling and laughing by the time the EMTs were there. Like I just felt nothing. Um, and I was smiling in all the photos. I'm like, dude, it's cool. I'll be back like this weekend. Um, <laughs> and obviously we didn't know the extent of it because the, uh, the left quad had tore so far away from like my knee and insertion point where it literally, it literally looked like I just dislocated my knee. Like we were just like, Oh, it's dislocated. They're going to put it back and be out for a little bit. Like no big deal. Cause it looked like my knee was just kind of like floating in outer space. Um, but it was literally, it just, the knee hadn't moved. The patella, everything was fine. It's just everything around it had been obliterated. So it was just kind of hanging out. It was really strange looking. Uh, but uh, I had just got a brand new pair of uh, Titan briefs. And uh, so I knew as soon as the EMTs come, I'm like, I had talked to my buddy, AJ. He's, uh, we call him the Nigerian King. He's, he's fucking amazing. He handles me every meet. He's hilarious. Uh, and he's like, oh, okay. I was like, dude, they're going to, they're going to cut these with medical scissors. They're going to cut my briefs in half. I was like, but you're not going to let them do that. You're going to get me out of these. And he goes, your legs. I'm like, fuck my legs. Like take me out of these briefs. I was like, if they're not cutting a brand new pair of briefs off me, I'm going to want them when I come back. So like, I'm already thinking like, all right, I got to make sure this stuff's good when I come back. So they undid my wraps, um, saw my knee and was like, oh shit. And then got me my butt off the floor enough to start shimmying the uh, briefs off me. And they got the briefs off me too. So by the time they got there, I'm just sitting in my floor, like giggling in my underwear with like basically my legs blown apart. Um, so they load me in the stretcher. They take me all to the ER and stuff. Um, so I had 
couple years previous, I had a double calf tear with like a blood clot. And uh, I had I had become at risk, like really high risk for uh, compartment syndrome. So like uh, for those people who don't know what that is, is in a nutshell, it's like uh, it's like tying a zip a zip tie around a water hose and letting that hose build until it blows up. So the compartment syndrome would swell all the blood and fluid into your legs and it stretches so tight against the skin, it would push back. And then it starts like crushing your veins and shit. So uh, my legs started getting really crazy. And like I, I, the shock kind of wore off and like, I was like, Hey, like I'm in recovery. Like I don't want drugs. And they're like, no, no. Like you don't understand what you've done to yourself. Like you're, you're going to need drugs. Like there's no way you're going to make it through this without drugs. Um, and they were totally right. So they hooked me up on like Oxy and um, I was on a number of things fluid wise and stuff too, because my legs had just become so huge. And then the, of course the swelling was pushing back on the injury. Like it was like excruciating, man. Um, and they couldn't move me from the ER for like, it was like a day and a half. I was just in the ER until they finally moved me up to ortho before surgery. Um, got the news. Um, we thought it was just a left leg and I told him, I was like, man, I, I got this really bad feeling. Like, please, please scan the right leg as well. And they're like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah. Like I, I just have this feeling and dude, sure enough, it was a full rupture on that one too, but it had rolled up in the sleeve. So it wasn't as bad as the other one. So it was a little bit easier to like reattach. So I have these super sweet, like, uh, anchors and stuff in my knees now holding my tendons back on. Um, but they said that for my size, my bone density was like so ridiculous from me squatting and deadlifting so heavy, so frequently and causing micro fractures and then them healing and rebuilding the normal tools for the operation, like didn't work. Like they had to bust out like power tools, man. They're like, it just wouldn't go in your bone. Like we did like a smaller screw size and like the screw wouldn't even fit and go through the bone. Like we had to do an extra bigger hole. Like they said the whole procedure took an extra 45 minutes because of it. So whatever they did, they said by the end, they could basically pick up my entire leg with one screw. So like they're in there, in there. So uh, you got some pretty sweet hardware. And I, I told Mike, I really wanted to change my name to, uh, Papa Bear Robot Legs Rogers, like while I had my braces on and stuff. But like the week after we thought of it, I, I got out of braces. So I kind of missed my shot. Um, I still, my knee still looks really crazy. My left one, it looks like, uh, and they said it'll never be the same, like symmetry and stuff. Like it just, dude, it just doesn't even look like a kneecap anymore. It's just like a softball. And that's just what it looks like now. Um, so that was, let's see, this Friday will be 20 weeks post-op. So I think I pulled my first 500 pound deadlift back at like nine weeks post-op. <laughs> yeah. So they told me they're like, uh, Hey man, like you're gonna, you're probably gonna walk funny for the rest of your life. You're not going to compete again. Like you, you'll be able to work out. And like stay in shape and be buff, but like competitive wise, like it's over. Because I've been in the top 10 uh, worldwide 
all feds for like the last four years. So like that was, that was a hard blow for me because of course, like you're always wanting to keep moving that ranking up. Um, and I just put up like a 1940, um, in January. So like I was, I'm so close to 2k. So like that killed me. Like I, I just was like, it was a hard pill to swallow, man. Um, but I was like, fuck it. I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to come back and I'm going to do 2k. And, um, that's when, uh, I started talking to my friend, Micah and Amber Hansen and, uh, a bunch of other guys. And I'd always admire Amber and Micah because like, uh, Micah Moreno, the guy that just put on the American pro we've been tight for a while. He used to be my old coach like years and years ago. Um, after I want to say 2018 nationals in Ohio or not Ohio, Las Vegas, um, for USPA, but his ability to, and Amber's ability to jump between like raw single ply unlimited and just like be good at all of it. It was like, I always thought that was the most impressive shit I've ever seen. Like it just, they could just walk in and be like, you know what? Well, fuck it. We're throwing a shirt today. And it's like, they'd never been out of one. It's just insane to me. Like, that much skill level. Um, and I was like, man, like I would love to be good like that. Like hold one down, like top 10 raw, top 10 in wraps and then like a top 10 in apply. Like that would be super cool for me. Cause like, you know, it just shows like, and I think with ply too, and I've talked to Mike a lot about this. Like I think my favorite aspect of getting into gear so far has been like, yeah, you gotta be strong, but you can only be strong if you have enough skill to showcase it. So like, it doesn't mean shit if you're strong, if you can't like control the gear, you know what I mean? So I love that aspect of it. Cause it, it just adds like this whole nother layer of variation and training and like instabilities and like your margin for error is just like absolutely gone. It's either it's going or you're, you're dumping it. Like, so I'm actually, uh, it's funny. I got to talk to you today and I, I thought this would be a good day to talk to you, especially the third. So like, I just got back from the pro, the American pro, um, got to watch all my friends compete. I got to handle my team there. I had a sponsor booth. Um, and of course I was supposed to compete. Um, but I moved my registration to one in November, uh, that Mike is also running for WRPF and a monolift, um, which is going to be my first, like it's supposed to be push pull, but I'm already squatting 400 again. So I'm, I said, fuck it. I'm going to go full power. So it'll be my first full power meet back in gear. Oh, yeah. so probably going to do uh probably do single ply. And then uh, my goal is in January to do the same exact meet in PA for USPA that I did in um, last January when I did the top 10, one of the top 10 totals in uh, 198 and 1940. I want to do the same one in gear and get my first 2K. So in like one year, put up that in raw, blow off both my legs, have surgery, and then come back and get 2K that like like one year exactly apart. So I think, uh, do you think, so when you first, first had that injury, like what's happened there, you're fucking delusional, you're sitting there and you're like, oh no, I'm going to come back. How important was that thought at that moment in time for that whole plan to be on the table right now? It wasn't at all, to be honest with you. Um, uh, 
And so, like, of course, I'm, I'm extremely heavily tattooed. Um, and I know that's kind of like a weird segue, but, like, something that kind of put in perspective for me was, like, so I have my kneecaps tattooed. And uh, my surgeon was, like, you know, I'm, I'm still coming out of surgery. I'm all, like, ugh, like, I'm all you know drowsy and shit and he's like hey just to let you know i tried super hard to line your tattoos back up on your knees so when they heal you might have scars but like they're not going to be like all mismatched and i was like dude are you serious like you could have cut them off and threw them in the trash like i just want to walk again man like i don't give a shit what the tattoos look like and uh so at that moment of course like i was like dude like i don't know if i'm gonna like you know because i'm gonna have to relearn how to walk like, I didn't know how to use stairs. Like, I couldn't wipe my own ass. You know, so at that point in time, like, it was totally off the table. Like, I had a really hard time dealing with that. And, of course, like, being in a rehab facility and, like, ortho, you know, you're allowed, like, one visitor a day. So my mom and my wife were switching off coming to see me. So it's a lot of alone time. Like, a lot of alone time. And it's really hard, man. I would say that was probably the hardest like darkest like three weeks of my life dude like just sitting there watch literally watching your legs you've worked on for 10 years just atrophy in front of you like it was the it was fucking disgusting dude it was so disheartening and so hard to like accept um but then i think my first day back like i got out and uh we had tried to find some stuff it was like so shout out to all the ladies that um encompass man they were great so they're all in like their like mid 30s and they're so used to having like people in there like knee replacements hip replacements everyone's like 60 plus so like i was the only dude in there that was like 30 and so they got like this young guy covered in tattoos like you know hobbling around with all these old people so like the girls were in good spirits and they they treated me really well like they were really cool and they knew how hard it was for me being in there with like literally no one my age no one to talk to like just a bunch of old people and um and of course you have to be like super open and like i don't know it's it's kind of weird because you're like hey you don't know my name and i'm 30 and you're 30 but uh you're totally about to see me butt ass naked right now we're just gonna have to be cool with this right immediately so like you know what i mean so you have to be in good spirits about it but i'm like hi my name's travis this is what i look like naked have fun with this so like because you can't shower on your own you can't walk you can't do anything you can't change your clothes like it's it's brutal and i'm a very independent person like i'm in my own gym i'm in businesses i'm a teacher like i like to stay busy so like the idea of relying on someone else for literally like the simplest shit like it was terrible for me so like getting through all that was was priority man and it, it hurt me the most with like uh like my wife like i know it put her through a lot and it was really hard for her to see me like that like here's your husband here's like the strongest dude you know and it's just like watching all that shit get taken away from him it was it was fucking brutal on her dude and like i tried to cover it up really well and i do pretty well with it but it's like she knew how mad how bad it was for me and like how i was like fuck dude like this is it. Like I'm, I'm going to be that old guy in a wheelchair at a gym yelling about the times I used to bench 405. Like that's already here. And I'm only 30. And I, I thought that like, that was a sincere thought I had. I'm like, Fuck, like I'm done. I'm done already. And I was like, you know, my first day back, saw my guys and like dudes who played football at Salisbury dudes who I've been friends with, like and who had watched me compete. 
you know, it was rough on them. They're like, dude, like, fuck, like, this is a guy you look up to, you train with, you go to for lifting advice for everything. And like watching me roll out that first day in like a wheelchair and braces, they were like, it, it was hard on everybody, dude. It was really hard. Um, but then I was like, yeah, man, put this box in front of the cable machine so I can't flip my wheelchair. And we're going to do some like tricep pushdowns and like a couple of days of that, they were like, yo, this, this motherfucker is going to do something like he's just going to go. And then we figured out how to like chair deadlift and like strap me down to the wheelchair for pull-ups. And then we figured out how to like keep my feet legitimately comfortable and not flexed for like some kind of makeshift Larson presses on bench. So, I mean, I just started working immediately. Um, and at the same time I got picked up by, um, Kabuki strength. So like I had a contract deal with them for USPA, uh, Maryland and Delaware for my gym and all the meets we run, but they personally picked me up as an athlete, um, right after I got injured. So they had been talking about putting me on the team. Then they saw me get fucked up and then they're like, Holy shit, this guy's just like not going to stop. Like we got to get him on the team. So, um, I got to personally like zoom call with like their head coaches, Chris Duffin, like, dude, I cannot, and I, I cannot say better things about the Kabuki staff and the team. Like, dude, they sent me peptides and collagens and rehab protocols. And they were like, bro, we're going to get this motherfucker on his feet. Like, dude, they took that shit so serious. Like, and I've been working with Kyle ever since Kyle young, who, uh, Shout out to him. He just had, uh, he just had surgery, um, on a disc on his back. So it's really weird. Cause like my, he's my coach, but I, we write our programming together because he's like, Travis, you're not an idiot. Like, you know how to get strong. So like, he's like my parental, my adult supervision. Um, <laughs> so he just had surgery, but it's, it's kind of cool. Cause it's like, he's my coach figure and it's like, he's watching me get through all this rehab and like go from like not walking to like what I'm doing now already. And he's like, you know, like, dude, I'm sitting here feeling sorry for myself. Like I can't move my back. Like I'm not allowed to even like take the trash out of the house. And he's like, dude, I just watching you, like you've already been through that shit. And he's like, if you can do it, like it makes me feel like I can do it. So it's like, we have a really good relationship as far as like that goes. So I, th I think it's really cool that we're, it's kind of like we're doing it together. I'm just like a couple weeks ahead of him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this whole thing's awesome. Like even like hearing about that with like Chris Duffin and the staff and I mean, that's what's cool. What can be cool about the sport of powerlifting. So was it, you know, you're in the, uh, you're in the hospital, you're by yourself with nothing but your dark thoughts. You get out of there. I mean, everybody was nice in the hospital. I'm sure that helped and stuff too, but yeah, yeah. You, you get out of there, you go into the gym and you see all your boys. Is that when it's like, like when you hooked that up to do those tricep extensions, was that where you're like, I'm going to make a fucking comeback? Or was it like, I just need to do something. And then their support just kind of built that momentum a little bit. No, I think it was, it was seeing them too. And like, like, I, I don't know. It's like, I love powerlifting, obviously. Like I love being a gym owner. Like, some people are paying the ass, but like <laughs> and money's, money's tight and people are paying the ass, but like, dude, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Like I fucking, I love it, man. I, I really do. I mean, anyone that's been around me, anyone who's been to my meets at my gym, like anyone's that they know it, like you, you feel it when you walk in that place, like you just, it's just different. 
And everyone's told me that. I saw me just like blowing smoke up your ass. Like people were like, yo, like this is the place you want to compete. It is just different. It has, a, it's just alive. And like, um, so I'm a graphic designer and artist like throughout the summer and stuff. So I work for barefoot. I do their designs. Uh, I do a lot of freelance stuff. I do all my own art and stuff for the charity. But like when you come in, it's just covered wall to wall with like tapestries and like big blown up, like digital hand drawn scanned art. And like, so it's like, it's weird. It's like a powerlifting gym, but like, like an art museum, like a gallery. So it's, it's got its own vibe and people really like, like that stuff. So when we do meets, I always theme them. So like our, our one coming up and I, I this is cool. Cause I get to discuss some of those details with you. Uh, um, we're doing one called the uninvitational. So it's, it's all the perks of a invitational meet, but it's for everybody. That's awesome. Like there's no invites. There's no, but like everyone has a chance to feel like that big and that awesome. And that like in the spotlight. So I just got done paying off all the prizes, which was fun. Uh, so we're, giving out, we're giving out six Kabuki bars by dots. So like, you know, if you have the best deadlift by dots on tested day or untested, I'm doing day one tested day two untested. So everyone can compete. Um, and of course we have huge prize best lifter packages too. But like, dude, we're giving out like, it's like $5,000 worth of shit. Like, I mean, like Kabuki squat bars, Duffalo bars, like the nicest shit. Um, but over the top production, my buddy, uh, Doug Nostrat and his wife, Candy, who run USPA Great Lakes, we're really tight with them. They're coming down. He's bringing like a truss, like the TV and lights are over top. Like we have these extravagant backdrops. I'm doing 3D printing. So like the whole thing's Wild West theme, right? And like the big background job, it's like this, this really hot, like traditional, like girl sheriff. It was like all these like cactuses and canyons in the background. So we're doing 3D printing that's like tumbleweeds and cactuses that are off the backdrop. So when you come in on the platform, it's like actual like a stage. And so we found these uh, Amazon saloon doors. So when you come in through the holding tank, you have to like come through the swinging saloon doors and shit. And like me and one of my friends who helps me announce Nettie, she's awesome. She helped us run the booth at American pro we're wearing like chaps and cowboy hats while we're announcing and shit. Like we're just going all out, man. We want to make it like super fucking awesome for all these people who are, you know, pick our gym and like want to come compete with us and like know what we're about. So, and I actually think, I think Mike, Mike is doing that meet. Oh, that's awesome. I, I think a cool thing about it, right. Is like, you, know, you talk about your gym and having all the art and stuff, but it's authentic to who you are as a person. Right. I yeah. think people are always drawn to that authenticity. So like, and as much as like you wanted to include everybody, it sounds like that's, that's your personality and stuff too. And I think that's a really cool idea with the, uh, the uninvitational meeting, the saloon doors. Yeah. So the reason, the, the reason I said that to you was because like, obviously it kind of showcases like what I'm about and stuff, but like back to your point about like, you know, when did this plan really like come to fruition? It was like, you know, thinking about like the meets and stuff we host and like the people that watch me and like my guys at the gym and stuff. It's like, I really think I stopped doing this for like solely me, like a really long time ago. And it was like, man, like, you know, like, who do you really want to do this for? Like, do you want to, you know, do I want to sit there and like sit in my wheelchair and bullshit my rehab and feel sorry for myself? Or do I want like 
my friends, my team, my family at the gym, you know, to see the comeback of a lifetime, you know, like how is that going to impact them? How is that going to look to them? And they're like, yo, like this motherfucker's about it. Like he'll do anything. And it's like, I think that's what I want them to see. You know what I mean? Not for me, but for them. Like I want them to think like, you know, like if he came back from that, like my stuff's not shit. Like I can do this. Like I want people to feel that way. Like I want them to like, know, like, dude, it's, it's not over. Like if you really want to do it, like just, you got to nut up, man. There's no way around it. Like, dude, that I know. And I know that sounds stupid and played out, but there's no other way around it. Like you blow off both your fucking legs. Like you either want it or you don't like, there's no, there's not going to be in between with something like this. And it's, uh, it's played out for a reason though. Right. Like, I mean, most people in those types of situations, the ones who do nut up, it's played out because that's, that's just what it is. Right. And I think, you know, in terms of like doing it for yourself or doing it for others, I think the people in your closest circles, you always give them a piece of your anyways, right? Like they get like who you are as a, so it's not, I don't think it's an either or thing. I think you're doing it like your people in your closest circle are just an extension of yourself and you're doing it because you want the best for them, which in turn requires the best for yourself in those, in those same moments. Like, I think there's that like, collectiveness with like a, a close knit group, like any, any team in sports that I think like, uh, like you can't uh, be great for them unless you first become great for yourself. Yeah, exactly. And it's one and the same, like they see you becoming great. They want to be great and everybody just right. feeds off of each other, you know? Exactly. Um, and I think that's a, a really, um, I don't know, I'm fired up. Like my palms are sweaty. Like I can't wait to fucking lift in like an hour. Uh, <laughs> See, it's working already. <laughs> exactly. It played out or not, it's working. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about your training a little bit. What is that, uh, you know, barring like being fucked up, what is it typically kind of like, what does a, a week typically look like for, uh, for your training? So like I said, I'm in, I'm in equipped gear now. Um, but I'm still doing, of course, a lot of raw training, uh, a little more in the shirt than I probably should be just because like, it's so new and it's out of the three, obviously it's the hardest one to master. Cause it's like totally relearning how to bench. And like, um, it's fun. Cause I get to go to like, uh, I'm, I'm good friends now with CT Whitney who owns power build. Um, so I go to King of Prussia and power build and that's like a very younger hip stylish, like generational lifters. So like everyone's in there with like their a sevens and like, who's got the knee sleeves. It's cool. Cause everyone's in there. Like for and me and CT have talked about this for like, cause I did his podcast there. They have a podcast studio, like in their gym. Oh, cool. Um, like nine, 85, 90% of the population is pretty cool. Some are a little stuck up, but I mean, that's kind of like some of the newer generation of raw lifting and stuff. But of course, and we're talking like raw, raw, we're talking like SBD, everything like, <laughs> curly hair one earring dangling like that kind of raw and um it's weird because like i'll be the only guy there now of course that like usually i'm i'm usually the most heavily tattooed like i'm i'm very easy to spot like right out in the open um but i'm also now the only person in gear so like we went down there for a deadlift party like friday night i got there a night early um and I benched in a katana, like a bright red one. It was like, I call it the ketchup shirt. And it's like bright red super katana. And like all these kids, they're like 17, 18, 
course, like they've they've never even seen or most of them haven't even heard of equipment lifting, right? So they're, they're very much into the the Russell Orhees, like the USAPL, like that br- very brand new generation of like younger lifters coming up. So when they see that, like what the the fuck is that guy wearing and then like you're benching five plus and like oh my god what is that guy wearing like so it's cool to like see some of the stuff like that and like the next day i was in a fusion uh in a pool and they're watching me like hang myself from the straps in the mono like trying to get my shoulders like in these it's tight it's a tight suit um and like it's it's like creating a v because it like won't go over the outside of my delts and they're like is that, I've never seen a singlet like that. I'm like, yeah, you don't want to be in this singlet, man. <laughs> and then you'll like, you'll like pull it down. They'll see your nipples like halfway rubbed off. And I'm like, yeah, this is not a fun suit to be in, dude. Um, but it's cool. Cause it's like, you get to, in a way, like you get to showcase that and kind of like spark conversation about something that's seemingly obviously not died out, but it's to the new generation. Like it's not, a big thing. Like a lot of them don't know where powerlifting came from. A lot of them don't know where it started. A lot of them don't know like powerlifting was gear before like, you know, like the 2000s and stuff like that in 2010s when it all really became like raw, 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 everything. So it's kind of cool to get to spark some of those conversations and like, hopefully um, my position on it is as someone who's like looked at a little more like online and stuff, as far as like social media is like, I hope it does draw some attention to gear lifting. I hope it does like spark interest and conversation about it. I hope other younger lifters like, Hey man, like maybe this, maybe this demonized thing isn't so bad. Maybe it's kind of cool. Maybe I just don't understand it. And like, I really hope that's the kind of conversations that are sparked and talked about. And, um, Honestly, like, I I hope I see more of it. Like, I hope I see a gear revival. I hope I see, like, bigger, like, uh, one of my friends just sent me the uh, the, um, IPL, like, World's Equipped Championship, and I was like, I want to go. And they're like, you should do it. I'm like, it's November. Like, I just got squatting again. Like, I'm going to need a little little bit more time, just a little bit, but I appreciate your thoughts. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, man, like, I'm very excited, and I think, like, I think equipment for me happened at a really good time. So like, yeah, I got fucked up. Yeah. I got hurt really bad, but like it gave me something other than just rehab and coming back to raw strength. It gave me something like to new to master, to look forward to, to like have a different kind of challenge. Um, at the same time, really like revamp my training and like how I look at powerlifting. So like a typical week for me, like before when I was raw and in raw classic, um, uh, even before I was sponsored by Kabuki, I was a Kabuki whore. Like I love, I'm a bar whore. Like I love specialty bars. Like I love trying all the shit. Um, so like I had a transformer. I had one from garage gym. So it was the year they had COVID outbreak and I was training in a barn. Like we just had a barn. It was, no HVAC, no nothing. Like mid mono set, like walk out, take a shit, wipe your ass with like a corn stalk, like that kind of barn. <laughs> Like there was nothing around dude, and uh self-wrapping like a hundred degrees. And then at the same flip side of that, but you'd be like huddled around a little heater, like a steno bum, like 20 degrees, like trying to pull on a metal deadlift bar and like wearing gloves in between sets. Like it was, it was gnarly, but it made you a better lifter for sure. Because now the cave, the actual building we have, it's like, you know, you're like, man, this is dope. But remember those, remember those days that really made you a good lifter. Like when you need to have a shit, um so it's it's cool to like look at stuff like that but i really think like 
when I was mostly training raw and raw wraps, um, I was still doing like an aux squat, like once a week, I was big on transformer. Uh, I like the elongated handles more because of my, I got a little T-Rex, like buff T-Rex arms. So like the SSB, like the traditional, like elite one, the yoke one, it's like really high for me. And I feel like I'm always pinning my biceps to my forearms and I feel very scrunched. Like I don't like it, but like this one, I'm kind of, I can push my chest out more. And I like, I really like that aspect of it. Um, so I'd squat on that once a week. I got really big into pulling against bands. It's probably Mike's fault, to be honest with you, uh, watching him do it. Not to his extent. Like, that dude will pull, like, hey, man, today I'm going to do, like, grays with blues with chains and something else. And, like, I watch the video, and I'm like, dude, like, I saw your soul leave your body for that rep. And he's like, yeah, it was hard today. <laughs> but, like, so I don't pull to that extent. But um, I'll do, like, I like doing, like, four by fours, like, ascending, like, stuff like that. Um but for my main deadlift days, I got really big into doing this thing called, I like to call the gauntlet. And this, this tripped a bunch of people out. Um, and I was actually on, uh, Anthony's, um, most hated trigger warning conjugate, like his podcast. And that's how he found me. He was like, dude, who's this raw lifter doing this crazy ass gauntlet shit. And that's how he found me for the, like the interview. And it would be like the same weight for three singles, but they're all three different variations. So it would be like, it'd be like, I think the one that really got him, it was like me pulling like 730 from like a three inch deficit, a pause single, and then like a beltless long hold. And that was like the goal. And he was like, dude, it was disgusting. He's like, I don't know how you didn't throw up or pass out. And I just got good at doing that. So it was like, no matter what position you put me in, like I was very uncomfortable, but I was very strong at it. So... I'm really excited because I think I'm almost to the point I'm healed enough to start doing that. Not at that weight, but like, like somewhere in like the mid sixes um, and working my way back up there. Um, so I really like uncomfortable variation deadlifts. I thrive on it. It's my favorite shit. I love it. Like if my hands aren't tearing open by like the end of like the sets, like I'm not very happy. Like I, I want to like hold the shit out of something. <laughs> uh, so I love that kind of stuff. Um, I low bar squat. So like I do get some weird like elbow shoulder tendonitis um, from low barring and benching were all super heavy. So um, I squat mostly on the duffel bar um, in sleeves and in wraps uh, until competition time. But like I've had a lot of people talk about that with me. They're like, dude, like doesn't that mess with you? Cause like the, the camber in it, like it kicks you forward and it feels weird when you switch back to like a straight bar. I'll literally take like seconds and thirds, like three and four weeks out on a straight bar. And that'll be the only time I train on a straight bar until I'm back on comp. Like it's like twice. So like I was one of those people that that adaptation, like it never really bothered me. Like I could switch very quickly. Um, and bench I'm usually with uh, chains and bands one day like accommodating resistance or I'll do a Swiss bar Larson's like dead bug style with your feet crossed. So you're just like everywhere on the top of the bench. So like, I like that kind of stuff. Um, and I'm also really tricep dominant bencher. Like even my raw grip is, it freaks most people out. Cause when I'm on competition platform, they're like, dude, is that guy out there? Like close gripping that much. And like, that's what it looks like. So I'm like, yeah, I guess it's close for most people. So, um, 
I'll usually do like second handle in on like a Cadillac or a Swiss bar. So it's, it's pretty tricep dominant, but it's a little more easier on me as far as like the neutralized grip. So I'm not like stressing my shoulders out so much. Um, and then for heaviest benches, I'm, I really like like ascending set. So like a big one of me would be like shipping it weekly before a deload. So I'd, I'd usually go like four or five weeks ascending and then take a deload. It would be like a set of five, a set of four and a set of three with a back down set of 12. Or if the three got to be too much, I would break it up and do like a two by two at the same weight. Okay. But, uh, that always worked really, really good for me. Um, linear progression and overload like that, like small chips. Like I, I bought the rogue, like baby donuts. They're like literally like the tiniest rubber plates ever. And like, I use them frequently. And so it's funny. It was like a joke at our gym when like you saw me pull those out, you know, the PR was real because it was just barely chipping it. So they knew they're, Oh shit, this is going to be really heavy for him. Cause he's busting out like the smallest fraction available. Um, but now that I'm in gear, I rotate my shirt. It's like two sessions in a shirt, one session, heavy raw. And then, uh, I've mostly been sticking with bands because I'm really trying to master that, uh, like punching through at the top. Um, but I'm really trying to work on probably that. And I talked to, I actually went on like a little day trip yesterday, uh, to death wish, um, and Delco, like, um, it's like an hour from Smyrna, Delaware. Um, little facility up there but like delco strength shot and they have like this room in there they run it out called uh death wish barbell and it's like a mono like some guys but it's full of gear dude it's just like a little gear garage in the middle of this gym and we had a lot of fun um ralph the owner and his wife super welcoming and we just walked in there like oh travis i brought i brought some extra suits to see if they'd fit you man just take them and i was like what and he's like oh yeah man this is how the gear community is take stuff and I was like, are you sure? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Try this on, try this on, try this on. And like, dude, it's just like, and I, I've saw this to Mike. It's so crazy how welcoming the gear community is. It's unreal, dude. Like, it's such a tight knit, like, circle of just like trading stuff that doesn't fit you anymore to each other. And it's like a very Dave Tate-ish motto. It's like, literally live and pass on. It's like, hey, I've shit my pants in these briefs, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure they're going to fit you, bro. Like these have magic in them. So like, it's very much like that. And I, I love it, dude. It's, it's very, it's very wholesome, man. So like my friend Jules, his wife, Mara, and it's weird. Some of the guys I met like years ago, they're like, bro, I watched you compete raw and now you're in gear. I'm so excited. It's so weird how it all comes full circle. But like, dude, I came, I went up there with like, one hemmed super katana and like my squat suit just in case we squatted and i came home with like a thousand dollars worth of gear holy shit like it was like mara's like yeah like um i'm not really using this suit anymore like you should try it on i think it'll fit you bro it was like a a, a boss super squat suit wide with like a lace mod corset on the back it's probably like a 600 squat suit Yes. Like no joke. And I was like, I, I felt like, and I'm not, I've only been in the gear community for a couple months. So it's like, I'm still at that point where I'm like, dude, are, 
are are you sure? Like, I feel guilty right now. Like, I don't want to try it on. Like, I know how much this stuff costs. Like, I'm a Facebook market whore. Like, I, I watch. Yeah. Like, I know how much this stuff goes for. And of course, like, Titan and Inzer, the markets are all backed up. So it's like, and I, I don't know if Mike said this to you on his podcast. The poor guy. I told him I was like, bro, you should have just let me Facebook market stuff for you, and we could have flipped shirts he didn't like. That man's been waiting for an Inzer bolt for like four months. Oh wow. And I think he just got it. And he was like, it's too small. I'm like, bro, you just waited four months for a too small shirt. I was like, we could have, we could have bought and sold like 10 of those already. If we just done Facebook marketplace, the Facebook so, marketplace for gear is amazing. Oh, it's incredible, man. It's the only way to go. One of the, um, three years, three years ago, three, four years ago, when I decided to get into gear, like, so I coach mostly like USAPL raw. Okay. Right? What, what, what did you call them before? The, uh, oh, the, the curly hair and the dangly earrings. <laughs> that's the yes. population right there, buddy. Oh my God, I was fucking dying. So the girl who's going to um, edit the podcast, so she was that person. Okay. She, finally, she finally got into single ply stuff and she was actually on Anthony's podcast too because she was wearing one of his like Stay Hated shirts while oh, yeah, yeah. You show me and she ended up winning at Nationals be equipped awesome. this past uh this past june but one of the things that like really i was like man what was the history of the sport nobody the sport and i'm fucking bored so i have friends that obviously like have been around the sport a long time so they're like man just get in some gear get in some gear and they were like hounding years and finally i was like fuck it so like I bought a bunch of gear and I was like, my raw team, we don't know what we're fucking doing, but you're going to help me in it. You're going to spot me. You're going to be a part of this. And we're just going <laughs> to like, so the first day I was actually texting Anthony because I got, a, I got a shirt. I was sized wrong. Right. So I wear, I can wear a 42. It's pretty fucking tight if I put a 42 on, but this was a 36 and this is my first day ever getting into a shirt. Oh, it took nine. It took 90 minutes. Everybody, I'm texting him, texting my boy, Jeremy Hartman. And they're like, just don't be a pussy. That's what. And so I'm like telling all the people, I'm like, push fucking harder. Like, get me in this thing. Dude, I couldn't even grab the bar. I couldn't put my wrist wraps on because my hands were so fucking numb. I was like, this can't be right. And it took another 90 to get me out of this thing. I had somebody standing on the middle. It's not even coming off my fucking arms. And I was just like, this shit's fucking awesome. Like, (laughs) this this is for me. And I didn't even do anything. Isn't that weird how that, like, that mindset is? It's like, you go through one day of just being, like, ridiculously uncomfortable, and you're like, you know what? This is the shit. <laughs> like, it's so weird. And now I have a team that we have. So I have lifters that kind of do both, but uh, I've had eight or nine lifters now compete single ply since then. Like, they see it, and they are like, oh, let me try it out. And a couple of them, so one of them, he finished second at nationals this past year it was his second equipped meet and so he had started doing it didn't like it let it go for a while and then picked it back up again and like started to like it again like i had another kid who just competed he'll do nationals next year um he's my training partner he actually uses those rogue magnet things quite a bit bit too for those prs um but like they just see it and they want to be a part of it and then they try it out and then they like it. So I think exactly what you're doing, just like being there and them seeing it. Like, I think it's great. And like, what you talk about, like the community, we all need each other. Like you can't do it by yourself. So no. it requires that community and that respect and that like, and it's a breath of fresh air, man. Cause like sometimes at the gym, it's just, it's those, those same 
raw lifters with the SBD, everything. They're just with their headphones on in their own racks and they're all in their own racks doing the same fucking shit. And it's like, man, it's so much more fun if you just, yeah. just do it with other people. Like, I don't care how you train. Like, that's fine. You, you literally read my mind. I actually went off in my own gym about this. Cause like I, I have a shitload of kilos and because I'm a, like I'm a chairman, like I can order my kilos like through Denison, like through the USPA. Oh, cool. And so like I'll have first dibs on like Avancos and stuff. And I looked at them all the other day. I'm like, yo, there shouldn't be a day where all my fucking racks are full. Like you should be working in with each other. Like not everyone needs their own fucking deadlift bar. Like I don't understand. And like, it's weird because I think, I think exactly what you were talking about, like this raw population and not dogging on them. I mean, obviously like at all, um, because they're the future of the sport, man. And like, they really are. But it's like, like you said, with the headphones on the SPD, everything, it's a very like, and of course you see it on like TikTok and shit, like, you know, uh, be a lion among, among the sheep and like the very like lone wolf mentality and like they, I think it, that picture's painted so hard. Like that's how you need to be like a hard ass in the sport. And I'm like, bro, like they don't understand that like being a part of something, being there for people, being that rock, that part of that like community of lifters, that's what it means to be a hard ass man. Like when you have, when you're that helpful, when you have other people who value your opinion, who want to be around you, who want to help you when you want to help them, like that's what it's about. Not this like lone wolf, like, I'm going to fucking hear with my headphones on SBD day every day. Like there's so many lifters like that now and it, it sucks. And like, I, re- I really hope that mentality gets broken, man. One of my, uh, so I have a couple groups in that has a, a lot of that population and they're, they're just young, man. And like, I'm going to ramble for a second, but the whole lone wolf mentality. So a real lone wolf, when a wolf is actually walking out there in the fucking wilderness, the apex predator wolf is looking for his pack. He's not doing it to be by himself. So like, it's not even a lone wolf. It's just like this, like fake hard, like people who surround themselves by motivational quotes, aren't the ones actually getting shit done. Right. But the, um, you know, the whole like being hard and all of that stuff, it's, it's when you have a shitty set or something's not going your way or you're, it's putting a fucking smile on your face, cheering your buddy on, spotting him in that moment and not fucking having it just bringing everybody else down to your level, right? Like I fucking, I can't stand that shit in the gym when somebody's staring at their RPE six set of five fucking squats and they're like all like, Ugh. and it's like, dude, who fucking cares? You're now making, everybody's watching you be a fucking buffoon in front of the rest of the, of the rest of us who are trying to train. Like I can't, I fucking, I can't. But, um, so I'm sitting there, we're doing like the, we have like a couple of days where we meet up and we train. And so like we do a conjugate style, like a training thing and everybody would be on different days. And like, we'd be training at the same time, but not everybody like sharing and doing the same thing. Right. I'm sitting there drinking my coffee and I'm like, you know what? fuck this. These people don't need their own fucking programs. I'm going to, the two strongest ones, they're just going to do what's on their fucking sheets and everybody's just going to train together. They're going to compete with each other. They're going to cheer each other on. They're going to be in the flow of things. And they're going to realize you're not even going to have time to feel fucking sorry for yourself in between sets because you're going to be moving, spotting, loading, loading bars, cheering each other on. No fucking phones. Get that shit out of here. Like we're just going to train as a group. And 
I think I've been doing it for about a month, give or take now. And like just the attitude and how hard people are training, like it just, it just stepped up a notch. Right. And hopefully somebody else is going to see that at the gym and be like, Hey, that looks pretty cool. I kind of, I kind of want to do that too. Like seeing, you know, four or five guys sitting there competing on fucking cheater rows with, you know, 365, 405 on the bar at times. And like, you know, I think people are going to want to do that. I think like everybody gets to that point where it's like, man, raw lifting, doing that shit. It's fucking boring after a while like that the gear the training with a group the like there's so many other elements like the raw lifting of just like being by yourself doing the same crap right but there's so many elements of this sport that can be like brought into this that like it makes it more of a sport makes it more of a team thing makes it more fun like like i fucking love that shit um dude i feel like we would get along really well like really well together yeah no hell yeah um so we're getting up over an hour here. Um, any any closing thoughts before we uh, shut this thing down? Sure. Um, so this one's actually uh, my uh, my buddy Rob. So he, he played um, football for Salisbury. Uh, this is probably like his second year competing. So he's and it's funny because uh, a lot of what you're talking about. So. And this is no disrespect for him. He's come a long way. I'm super proud of him. Um, and he's a person that's greatly changed his mindset about training. And so when he met me, he had been training, you know, playing football, lifting weights way longer than I had. And so when he meets me, he's like 21, 22. And he's like, I don't understand. He was like, how are you so much stronger than me when I've been training so much longer than you. And I was like, well, it's really simple. Like you're not, you're not training. You're working out. I was like, I've been training. You've been whipping your dick around in the circle. (laughs) And like, he was like, Oh, what? Like, and he was really taken aback by it at first, but as he got to know me and as he got to train with me and now I program for him, he, he came to me one day. He's like, dude, you're, you're right. Like I was just in the gym, like doing my curls, like benching with my boys. Like, but it wasn't, it was, I wasn't setting myself up for success. It wasn't me after something. And now that I'm competing with you and like, we're signing up for meets and we're like helping handle each other. And like, it's changed the game. It changes how you think about things. And so we, this is all like the first year of us meeting. Right. And of course he's watching me get injured. He was one of the ones that like took it really hard. And now like I got back in like, so it kind of, we had to redo this talk, right? We had to have the, a retalk to the first talk. And he was like, I got into gear and he was like, well, I thought raps were cheating, man, but you're just really like taking it over, over the top now in gear. And I'm like, yeah, man, just total cheater stuff. So as I've been progressing in gear, as he's seen me like rehab and stuff, he's starting to gain this like newfound respect for geared lifting. So like at first it was like the raw and the actual training. And now it's like the gear too. And so he's been, he's been helping me a lot with a shirt. He's been handing me off a lot like spotting and stuff. And he was, you know, the first couple of times he's handing off like five plus to me. He was like, yo, like this, this is scary. Like this, this is hard. I was like, yeah, man. Like, he's like, man, I just thought you like, you know, I thought it was like knee wraps, like, or like, 
he knows knee wraps don't work like this, but he's like, that's how I used to think about knee wraps. Like you just put knee wraps on boom, hundred pounds on your squat. But he put knee wraps on one time and got hurt. And uh, so it totally changed his mind. He's like, yo, this shit's really hard. And I was like, yeah, man, like, it's not like, you just don't put it on. Like it takes, it takes, again, you can't express the strength unless you equally develop the skill. And I was like, so think about that and how it pertains to wraps and how you view wraps now. And basically think about that for like your entire body, right? Cause now you're in suits. Now you're, now you're in wraps for your whole, now you're in wraps for your torso. You're in wraps for your ass. You're in wraps for everything. And, um, like he gets it now. And it's, it's really cool and humbling for me because like watching and, and he's one of those younger lifters, like it's really cool to watch his perspective change about gear, about training, about like what the sport is really about. And the reason I'm telling you this little tidbit and stuff, because as a closing remark, like that's what I sincerely hope happens. Like with your guys, with my guys, with all these new lifters, like I really hope it sparks conversation. I really hope it, you know, it encourages lifters to like give new, whether it's new training theories, methodologies, like programs, gear, no gear. Like I really hope people like, try to expand their horizons and really like look at things like, Hey, this doing it this way, isn't a shortcut. It's just different because I don't understand it. And I think a lot of people have a hard time making that distinction. So I sincerely hope, like I said earlier that, you know, someone will hear this and ask you a question, ask me a question, ask Mike a question. Like I really hope it sincerely gives you, as much as it has given me throughout the years. I, uh, I could not agree more with that. And I literally, I mean, when people on my team hear this thing, I'll be like, you've been seeing the same shit. But like one of the things that I tell everybody about gear one, it's fucking hard. It hurts. Dude, but like when they see the welts and they see the bruises and they're like, why would you want to do that? Why, why wouldn't you just lift raw? And like my, my remark to them is always, I care about lifting weights, more weight so much that I'm willing to bruise myself, welt myself, give myself headaches and feel like I'm squatting in a fucking fish tank in order to do it. Like I'll deal with the technique. I'll work harder at it. Cause like you don't hit depth at first touching, oh, yeah, touching in a bench shirt. So <laughs> somebody in a, uh, so obviously like if you keep the collar high, on a bench, yeah. it makes it easier to touch. So my super katana, which is small when I first started lifting. Now, do you, do you have a do you have a super that has the normal collar? Do you have the like the LL, LCC? The low cut. So, oh, you have a low cut too. That's what I'm using right now. Yeah. So I don't use it in meets because it's too, I'll, I'll the risk of bombing out is too high. But I have. <laughs> so I actually uh, mentioned this brand on the podcast with Mike and people ask me like, what brand were you talking about? There's a Japanese company called Oni O N I it's basically a Katana, but it's under a hundred bucks. So it's a great training shirt to kind of beat up and kind of, what? it touches easier than the Katana. Um, but it, it, yeah, it's a pretty good shirt. Um, but I have like one of those, I have a super Katana, a regular Katana, I have different sized. I have a million fucking, but I had my, I pulled the collar up on my super Katana to try to make it easy, easy to touch. And I'm almost blacking out before this thing's getting to my chest. And I'm like, I don't know, an inch, an, an inch away from touching. I'm like, I got this. And I could feel myself dump it a little bit. And I was like, 
I'll be fine. Like I'm having this conversation in my mind. I was like, I'll be fine. And then I go and there's this point, it just floats back. And I was like, I'm not even holding this fucking bar anymore. <laughs> my training partner caught the weight. Like he had never, I think he'd been in a bench shirt a few times up until that point, but he like caught the weight. I thought I was fucking dead. And like, I'll tell you for the first time in powerlifting, I was scared to get back underneath that bar. And so like my next bench day, I was like, you know what? I got to put this super katana on. And I got to do it again, just to like get that fear out of my, uh, right, right. Like, like shake it out of my system. And it was like something that I remembered from like fighting, you know, you, you get rocked a few times. You haven't having a few tough training weeks, whatever it is. Like, you just got to get back in there, you know? And, uh, for me, that was like the real, like, oh, I know I'm in this now because of that. Like, yeah, that one moment where like raw lifting, it was just like, eh, it is what it is, you know? Um, but I, I do, I hope more people try it. And it's not like you have to do, I make fun of my team. If they lift raw, I'm like, ah, raw lifting sucks. Like, you know, <laughs> just having like a, a good, like friendly, like right, yeah. you know, talking shit back and forth, which is fun. But, uh, yeah, I do. I, I want to see the sport grow. Cause like, for me, there's just like this sadistic purity that comes from like lifting in gear where it's like when it looks good it looks so good but like underneath it all it hurts so fucking bad yeah. <laughs> while you're doing it that's so just I, like I, this is cool i touched in the uh the lcc for the first time last night after taking like a heavy set to a two board and they're like just drop it like just drop some pounds off it and just give her the board and i'm like they're like you totally got this i'm like all right. And then, like, I was the same way, man. It was like that last, I got it. I got it. And I smoked it. It was good. But it was like, dude, that last, I was like, I'm going to black, I'm going to black, I'm going to black. But it, was, <laughs> it was good, man. I, uh, uh, my buddy, Aaron with us, uh, Aaron, his friend Bricker, they're awesome guys. They've been helping me a lot. And dude, he, he's a little bit older than me. The biggest like proud dad moment, like when I sat up, he's like, "Yeah," just like slapping me. He's like, "Turn that shirt," and I'm like, halfway like, "Oh, oh, what's going on?" <laughs> so good, man. I love it. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Man. It's the most oh. fun. So fun. One of the things that really helped me in the shirt. So one, I have to stay in it. So I out of comp like off when I don't have a competition plan. It's like once every three to four weeks, just because of the pressure. Like if I yeah. let that go too long, I can't handle the pressure. And it's like yeah. getting re-familiar so uh one of the, um, the coaches in my circle sent a interview we did with brian siders so siders was talking about when he was competing what he would do and so this guy would warm up 600 raw on the fucking back and then just throw a shirt on type of thing like i mean his bench numbers were fucking monstrous at the time that he was competing in the ipf so he was talking about not using boards uh, for the shirt. So like, I'd always use like boards and try to bring it down, you know, right. the three, the two, the one, whatever. Right. And he was talking about the invisible boards to like really feel the groove of the shirt. So once I got rid of the boards and I would just bring it down and not even try to touch, but just kind of hold it like in that like spot. Right. And you right, just right. start to like really feel that like groove of the shirt. Like in a nutshell, you're talking more like like a spoto press, but in the shirt. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And like each week, you either try to bring it down. So one of the things that I do in my shirt, instead of going like max effort, trying to lift the most weight, I try to touch the least amount of weight. Oh, so yeah. to, you know, hit a PR the other way. You have to be equally as good on the top end as you are the bottom end. Yeah, exactly. Up end, you're like, all right, what's the lowest opener I can take and touch and not bomb out? <laughs> yep. And like, and that's how I pick my shirt for my competition is just like knowing I'm not going to, like, I'm not the strongest one. So I got to make all my lifts in order to like, right. 
to put myself in. Now, in are you one of the guys? That, uh, I've seen a couple of things too. Like I've seen guys take their openers raw and then jump oh. into a shirt. Fuck that. Like I, I feel for my shirt. There's like this, my shirt has to warm up with me. All right. now, I'm in my shirt enough where like I, I could throw it on and take an opener and be okay. Like just cause I practice in it so much. I know where I need to put the collar at given weights, how things are feeling. Um, but I took only one at my last meet, which was in May. I took my last warm up in the shirt, but like I, I probably could have used another, another rep or two before I, I had taken it, but it's complete. It's like, for me, it's completely fine, but I will not take a raw fucking, <laughs> give me i just like to me it's just like i don't know man train better like just yeah. learn how to manipulate the shirt to touch lighter weights get a less aggressive shirt if it exceeds your skin right. no, I, that's, that was my other question yeah. for you it's like i've seen guys take like an opener raw and then put on an aggressive shirt so they don't you know they don't run the risk of bombing but i've also seen like a loose training shirt for the first touch for the opener and then they'll switch their comp shirt yeah so the changing the shirts that used to be pretty common in like the ipf and i could see that but like dude, I don't want to take a shirt off and put another one on. That shit just sucks. Yeah. So Alyssa, so she was going into nationals, the girl that was ranked above her. I mean, she was down 40 kilos or something after, uh -huh. squ after squats. So this girl takes a raw bench and I'm watching her raw bench warmups. I'm like, man, this girl's just not strong, man. And Alyssa bench is uh, 315 in the shirt. So she's got a big bench. And it's like, all right, we're going to definitely close the gap on bench no matter what. But this girl takes her raw bench, can't, then gets in an aggressive shirt that exceeds her skill level, can't get a touch, misses the next two. Alyssa going into deadlifts with a bigger pulls up two and a half kilos. You might as well just bomb out at that point. It's, it's the same yeah. fucking thing. Like, yeah. get good enough in your shirt where you can actually hit some attempts. I get the whole thing. If you're at like you know, the world games. And it's like, man, I'm going to hang my fucking nuts out there and just try to do something fucking once in a lifetime. Incredible. To me, that makes sense. But you know, if you know your skill level and you put yourself in the right equipment, like, I mean, I had three people at nationals, two of them, won. one of them came in second. None of them should have fucking won. It's just, you know, I, I kept telling them, I was like, powerlifting's three things, guys, the way that everybody does it here, they miss one of them. It's show up, make weight, make your lifts. So like Boris Shaka was my coach when I had first started. And so obviously, you know, with the single ply stuff and he's like, I would rather have a weaker lifter that's consistent on the platform than a stronger one, because the one that makes their lifts at the end of the day is going to win more, more often than not. Yeah. We, we all went eight for nine, nine for nine. And two of them won. One of them came in second place with much. Yeah. That should never happen. You guys are way stronger than we are. That should never happen. But because we're good in our gear, we're not going to miss. We practice in it a lot. We have them like some of my lifters now can get into some tighter stuff, some more aggressive stuff, like, you know, cause they're still newer, but if you just, you just go with the, the growth of your skill and the expectations, instead of just being like, man, I need to lift more weight. So I'm going to get a tighter shirt. So I actually was like in that same frame of mind. So I went out to West side in the fall of 2020. I'm sitting at breakfast with Louie and I'm asking him about the shirt. And he's basically just like, it's simple. You pull the collar down. It's, it's harder to touch the sleeves, whatever. And he's like, you know what everybody's problem is, is people are too scared to get strong. And I was like, that's my fucking problem. I'm so worried about the bench shirt that I'm like forgetting about the more important things. I just need to fucking get stronger and maximize the equipment I have now. Like if I get stronger, I put this shirt on, I'm going to lift more weight anyways. 
Yeah. And like, it, it was just like what I needed to hear at that, like, cause it's easy to get sucked into that. Like, uh, yeah, that's so wild. Like to me. Sure thing. I think, I think my background as a raw lifter has definitely like not given me an advantage, but like, I'm very much not in that mindset. Like, so like, for example, someone in last night in my, my LCC, it's like, Hey man, there's a, you know, you could, you could definitely go down a size. And I'm like, why? Yeah. Like, uh, I'm doing good weight in this shirt. I'm learning this shirt. I, I can touch in this shirt at a certain weight. Like, and like you said, like get strong in that and build your skill. Like, it's, it's just like if you if you explain like knee wraps to a raw lifter, right? Like, I'm not going to walk out the gate and be like, hey, man, I know it's your first time in wraps. Let's crank down as tight as we can go with a pair of Pioneer Phantoms. Let's put you in a pair of Strangulators and see what happens. Like, you don't do that. You know what I mean? Like, you work their skill level until they can handle something like that. I don't understand why people don't think about, like, shirts and gear in the same degree. I think it's just like that everybody's in that like rush to lift more weight instead of just like putting the time in building the strength and letting the results just kind of like speak for themselves at the end, at the end of the day. And like, I always do that with my guys. Like if I have a pair of like warm up wraps I've been using, like I'll pass them down to one of my guys and I'll be like, Hey, these worked really well for me. They're a little softer. Get good in these. When you graduate, I'll hand you your next set. You know what I mean? And like watch them build that skill level until they're ready for that. Instead of being like, Hey man, here's an extra set of the heaviest ones I own. Have fun. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> with the, uh, with the wraps, what I usually do is like, I'll, you know, it's the number of rotations. Right. So yeah. like, I think with Alyssa, I start with like seven, eight rotations, but by nationals, we're getting like 12 to 14. Like that's over the course of like almost a year. Right. right. But what I'll do is at the top, is when I tie it through, I'll just like kind of spin it around and pull it tight. So it's just super uncomfortable, but it's really not like going to affect the squat at all just so that they can get used to how like shitty it fucking feels. Right. So when you do get that extra crank in, like they're already used to that kind of pressure. Exactly. So like at the gym, one of my lifters, it was like his, maybe his first time in wraps, but it might've been his like second or third time. I wasn't there. So we had somebody else wrap him who cranked the fucking wraps and this kid hits the hole and just gets now in he's new in gear. So he's probably in bottoms or maybe he's in full gear. I can't remember what he was doing, but he hits the hole and just gets pulled forward 700 pounds on his back, give or take. And like all the spotters have to catch him. It's like, man, you're a dickhead. Why are you wrapping his fucking knees like that? Like the kids never had him before. Just put something on. He'll be, he'll be fine you know um and like that can be like really discouraging and i think when people get into gear that's super tight super aggressive and you're never hitting depth right so you're just not building success with it i mean even with loose gear that shit's fucking tight and it's yeah, really hard if you've never used it and then you know you're never touching in a bench shirt so you never build this like success with it so like then people are like fuck this this sucks and when i talk to like like Ed Cohn liked straps that he could put on himself for the squat because he felt if they were too tight, it would slow him down. So like when you start listening to like some of these like older guys and they're like, Oh yeah, no, my stuff wasn't that tight. And it's like, Oh yeah, you just got strong and you got gear that, that fit your skill level and what you liked, how you liked to actually perform the lifts. And then everything was, you know, and everything was fine. You put up these monster numbers, but like now I think it's just more, I don't know. People want, 
to just lift more weight without having to do the work. So it's like, oh, if I get a tighter bench shirt, it's like, man, if I lay my fucking bench shirt down on the bench, it's not moving the fucking weight. Like you got to fucking learn how to use it. It's like this whole process of doing it that people just don't. And I think gear, if you get in it and you give it the opportunity to actually teach you those lessons, you appreciate the sport more because of it. Absolutely. You see, this is, this is the fucking conversation everybody needs to hear for real. Yeah. hundred percent. New, new, in people interested in gear and people who are already in gear who are passing gear on to people. Yeah, because like, like, like I mean, I'm I'm new in gear. I'm three four months in, right? Like, so yeah, if you they could have easily put me in a tighter ass shirt last night and I could have fucking keeled over to a two board. You know what I mean? But like, what the fuck's that going to teach me? You know what right. I mean? Like, it's not. It just it just it makes things harder. Makes things more frustrating. And like, but I think if you really do it and you just, you embrace the process of it, I think, you know, good things, good things come from it. Like in all terms, like mentally accepting the sport, um, just under understanding training, like gear for me, I think the biggest thing that it taught me was I began to really understand recovery technique training in general. Like it just takes everything that raw does and adds this huge fucking layer to it. Yeah. You know, and it just really makes the raw stuff make more sense. So, like, even some of my raw lifters, um, they'll get into bottoms for, you know, blocks at a time, too, just to get some, like, overload in there, practice the technique, the pushing the pushing out, the stuff like that. And they've, like, you know, me, Mike, and John talked on the last episode, like, my equipped lifters hit raw PRs. Like, you can do both at the same time and one just kind of feeds the other. It's yeah, not, yeah. it's not even that different. It's not this either, or it's, you know, the equipment is just an extension of the raw. Like my suit's trying to push me in as well as the weight on my back is trying to push me in. So I'm pushing out against more tension. So when I take this shit off, my squat technique's better even without it. So like, you know, it's, it's, Maybe multiply. I've never done multiply stuff, but you know, maybe that's a little bit different. But I don't uh, know, man. I got some. Uh, I got some fashion shows to do today, so I'm gonna be trying on a lot of crazy shit uh, this <laughs> afternoon. So I'll let you know how that goes. All right, awesome. All right, so let's wrap this up, Travis. Let let people know where they can uh, find your crazy lifting videos on the internet. Uh, I just recently got a TikTok. I don't encourage it, um, <laughs> but it's at the same as my Instagram handle. It's at Papa Bear Rogers. Um, you can also find, uh, you can email me at Papa Bear at PapaBearStrong.org, which is my charity email. You can also get me uh, through that same email for anything like regarding USPA. You want to host a meet, whatever, let me know. I'd love to work with people. Um, and also all through my Instagram link tree, you can find my Elite FCS published articles, um, open powerlifter standing, um, open powerlifting standings and also my charity store, which we donate to underprivileged children. So awesome. And you guys, you can follow me. It's KW Can, our team, Precision Powerlifting Systems. Stay strong, Boston. <laughs>